Tonight's episode of Wayward Stories is brought to you by survivalfeeling.com, our supporters at Patreon, and you, our listeners. Like, it will get your heart racing and possibly help you involuntarily evacuate your bowels. It is up, all of you wayward souls. I'm glad to have you guys back for yet another episode of Wayward Stories. How y'all been this week? I've been all right, personally. Um, it's been a little crazy. Had my daughter's last soccer game last night of the season, and probably of her career, to be honest. She wasn't feeling soccer, which makes my heart sad, because I loved watching her. It was so much fun. But, um, you know, here's the thing about soccer at six years old, and her team is a little bit like the Bad News Bears. Like, they weren't really... They had one kid who was a ringer, Aiden. He was killer. He was so much fun to watch. But, like, the rest of them, you know, they were still trying to learn. They had no clue what they were doing. And I think when my daughter started, you know, she was like, hey soccer kick it run kick it kick it in the goal like this would be awesome but then what it kind of amounts to is a bunch of six-year-olds standing around in a circle with the ball in the middle of all of them kicking each other in the shins and I just you know she kind of wasn't feeling it so it makes me sad didn't work out I think maybe she'll try again I hope she does but she's done for the year this year the season is over and she almost scored I mean within inches in her last game of the year, she hadn't scored all year, and I wanted that so bad for her. It broke my little heart, but it broke my heart more than it did hers. Because to her, to be honest, she was like, thank God the season's over. So that <laughs> that kind of worked out. It She didn't have to deal with the heartbreak of missing her only real shot at a goal all year because she was just over it all. Um, but kick daddy's butt because you want to see him score that goal and get to celebrate and have those moments. I played a lot of sports growing up and you know, you have the good ones and you have the bad ones. And I just really wanted her to have that good one. She got so close, so close. Anyway, we need to go over a little bit of housekeeping tonight before we get into the show. You may have noticed, well, I'm sure you noticed the first thing you heard when the episode started was a sponsorship by survivalfeeling.com. Let's talk about ads real quick. Um, we have actually reached the point now where we're not getting like any full-blown sponsorship offers. We still got a long way to grow before we get there, but did kind of reach a partnership agreement that is amicable and good for both of us, survivalfeeling.com and Wayward Stories. It's good for both of us in a lot of ways. So now's a good time to broach this. If any of you guys are like the purists out there that are like, oh, dude, bro, you done sold out. Hey, listen. Here's the deal. Podcasting is not cheap. This is all out of my pocket. And it's not cheap. Website, hosting, the whole nine, the equipment. I'm into this a lot of money. And I'm doing it because I want to. It's a passion project. And I absolutely love making this. But it has to support itself at some point. And you know what? In the end, if I someday were able to make a living doing something I love and make a good one, like, if you can fault me for trying to make my daughter's life better than the one I had growing up, then, you know, sorry, I hate to see you go, but there's the door. Um, what I can tell you about ads is I don't want them to be intrusive. I don't want them to be the kind of ads where you're listening to this podcast and you're really into it. And like this, this is kind of experiential. All right, you're going along with me. We're going to Hemden Hollow tonight. And all of a sudden it's like, when I suffer from incontinence issues, I choose Depends. Like, it kills the flow of episodes, those kind of, I call them burner ads. They have different terminology in the business, but I call them burner ads. They just stab them in. They're pre-baked. Um, you know, the only Summer's Eve I want to talk about here on the show are the ones where I'm sitting on the buff or the Mulberry River looking out over the water in the night watching the fireflies. That's the only Summer's Eve I care about. Um, we want to keep it on brand, and that is one thing I will promise you that I will try my very best to do. I only want to do baked in ads so we don't jump out into a Geico commercial with a strange voice. It will it'll always be my voice as long as they're baked in ads. And I want to keep them on brand, which is great with this survival feeling thing because this is what they're all about. It's hiking. Um, but as we progress, when we start to get those offers, I will do my very best. You have my pledge to keep them on brand where we don't jump out of the story into a different voice and we don't jump out of the story into like something completely ir 
irrelevant to anything we're talking about because I hate those kinds of ads in the podcast I listen to. Um, We've spent enough time on it, but just letting you know, the day is coming. We're going to have an ad in tonight's show for Survival Feeling. We're kind of feeling it out and testing the waters of how to do this. So please just bear with us and by all means support the sponsors we get because that's what will keep them coming back to us and help keep the show being produced because there will come a point where this could be untenable and too expensive and not something I can do anymore and it'll have to stop if it can't support itself. So by all means, please, you know, show a little consideration for what we're trying to do over here and please, please, please support those sponsors so they'll keep coming back to us. Anyway, five minutes of talking about my daughter's soccer and Depends and Summer's Eve and things like that. Let's move on to the actual show tonight. How about that? Does that sound good to you guys? Tonight, we're going to talk about a hike I did late last year in August, and it was to Hemden Hollow Falls. Here in this great, wondrous state of Arkansas, we have, by the way, did you know that's illegal? I, like, I just committed, I don't know if it's a misdemeanor or what, but that is a crime in Arkansas to pronounce it Arkansas. Um, hopefully, they won't come after me for that. If we hear a knock at the door halfway through the recording tonight, somebody bail me out. Um... But here in the great state of Arkansas, we have the Ozark Mountains. They're absolutely beautiful. We've already talked about them a couple of times in different episodes. The Buffalo River, the Mulberry River, um, or Big Bluff, I mean. We haven't done the Buffalo River yet. That's coming. Y'all be ready for that. Um, But Hemden Hollow Falls, it's a great hike. It's a hard hike. It's a beautiful hike. And the payoff at the end is a 209 foot single drop waterfall that's classified technically as a plunge um that is not only the highest waterfall in the state of arkansas it is the highest single drop waterfall between the rocky mountains and the appalachians or the appalachians depending on where you're from in the country i like appalachians better because it sounds kind of Oh, Muffy, let's go to the Appalachians this winter. That, I like the way it sounds, but it's colloquial. Wherever you're at, it's going to be called something different. But it's beautiful, beautiful waterfall. There are a billion and a half pictures online. If you want to Google it, Hemden Hollow Falls, you're going to see some great pictures. Of note, none of them are mine. But that's beside the point. This hike, though, this hike is a for real hike. Now, this is all in the Ponca Wilderness Area. The Ponca Wilderness Area is a beautiful area in north central, kind of west central. It's kind of the west all the way to the central northern part of the state of Arkansas is all the Ozark Mountains. But up in the general north central area of Arkansas, we have the Ponca Wilderness, which contains the Buffalo National River, a couple of other wilderness areas, and they're all kind of amalgamated into one giant area that is 34,933 square acres. Um, What is considered a wilderness? That's an actual designation. That's not just like a common layperson terminology. Um, It is that, but it's not just that. It is, by definition, from the Wilderness Act of 1964, an area where the earth and its community of life are untrammeled by man where man himself is a visitor who does not remain. It is land retaining its primeval character and influence without permanent improvements or human habitation. Affected primarily by the forces of nature with the imprint of man's work substantially unnoticeable, wilderness areas are set aside by our nation's leaders because of their unique opportunities for solitude, mental and physical challenge, and spiritual enrichment. That is a key point for me. Those who venture into the wilderness must plan ahead and be adequately prepared with appropriate skills and equipment. To preserve the wilderness experience and character, all visitors should be familiar with the leave-no-trace principles and practice them while traversing the Buffalo National River. It is also essential to have a realistic understanding of your abilities before entering the wilderness. That's going to come into play in a little bit. We're going to have an aside. We're going to get it. I've I've got a pre-planned tangent for tonight's episode about that very subject. Um, And this is from the website online. It says, see our preventative search and rescue page for more helpful information. Preventative search and rescue, big deal. Um, And that's what we're going to talk about in that tangent when we get to it later. If you come to the great state of Arkansas, what we so lovingly refer to as the natural state, 
What can you expect to see in the Ponca Wilderness area as far as um, fauna go? What kind of what kind of critters are you going to see here? We have many things. We have elk, white-tailed deer, mink, river otters, beavers, raccoons, possums, bobcats, black bears, turkey vultures, black vultures, bald eagles, osprey, eastern elk were exterminated in the 1840s. We had elk here until the 1840s, and we rolled up in here and we're like, nah fam, I'm going to eat you and I'm going to sell all that fur. And essentially exterminated them from the entire area. But they were replaced by Rocky Mountain Elk in 1981, and this herd has been there since 1981, roaming freely throughout Boxley Valley in the Ponca Wilderness area, and it's been growing slowly ever since. And they're quite amazing to see, and people come from all over the place just to try to catch sight of the elk in the Buffalo National River, Boxley Valley, um, Boxley Historic District area. Um, There's a lot of animals here. You're going to see bald eagles. You're going to see black bears occasionally. I was talking to somebody on Instagram earlier this week who came across a black bear on one of their hikes. We came across a black bear on a search and rescue on a search one night north of Lake Fort Smith. And that was an interesting situation for everyone there involved. There were some diapers that needed to be changed. Um, Now, black bear aren't going to mess you up. You know, typically they're going to leave you alone, but you're not watching. You're not watching for them. It's not something that's super, super common. And suddenly you're in the middle of nowhere looking for somebody that's missing with four or five of your homies and you hear crashing next to you and all the headlamps fly over and there's a huge black bear bouncing across through the woods, off of trees, knocking over deadfalls. Like it will get your heart racing and possibly help you involuntarily evacuate your bowels. Just depends on the constitution that you tend to have. Um, but it's a beautiful area. We have tons of all kinds of different snakes. Buffalo River's well-known for water moccasins as well. We have all kinds of great stuff. It's great for you wildlife photographers and your landscape photographers out there. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and on that note, as long as we're talking photography, for astrophotography, we talked about this area in the um, overnight on Big Bluff episode. This is has attained dark sky park status as of 2019. So it's absolutely beautiful place. Um, people come from all over to enjoy the river, enjoy the mountains, enjoy these trails. And we're going to talk about the Hemden hollow hike from the trailhead from Compton tonight, not from the river. There are multiple ways to access this trail, but we're going to talk about one in specific in particular. Also, I need to mention real quick because this just came to my attention, um, on the subject of photography You cannot use a drone in anywhere, in the United States at least, that is designated as a wilderness area. I haven't had enough time to think about this to decide how I really feel about it. My politics are complicated, and as I've told you before, I'll never discuss them with you here in this forum. But I have very wide-ranging views from liberal to very conservative on different subjects. Um... This, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I haven't thought about it enough. I get the idea. I guess the idea is we don't want a drone to go down and not be able to find it and leak a battery into the Grand Canyon or the Buffalo River or whatever. But somehow that, I I have to do more research and give it more thought. It's a little bit of a hard sell to me at this moment because it's like, it's a drone. If the battery gets too low, it snaps back to where you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Because in my brain, the shots that my little cinematographer, you know, former director of photography mindset sees in the Buffalo River. Oh my God. Can you imagine a drone shot cascading down with a 209 foot waterfall or climbing it? Like, oh God, it would be so amazing, but you can't do it. Just FYI, if you're unaware, as I was until recently, it is prohibited to use a drone in any of America's designated wilderness areas, along with other places, I'm sure. But any wilderness area is designated no drone zone. That might not be a thing, but it rhymes. So we're just going to go ahead and go with it. Um, The hike into Hemden Hollow from the Compton Trailhead. It is 9.2 kilometers or five miles. And it is a five-mile hike that is all there. 
nothing is left out. You're going to, well, you're going to lose basically 431 meters on the way in, 1,414 feet down. That means when you come back out, because it is an out and back hike, you're going to gain 1,414 feet over the course of two and a half miles. Basically, it's a five mile round trip hike, right? So it's two and a half in, you're losing 1,400 feet over two and a half miles. You're going to gain 1,400 feet over two and a half miles the next day. Um, I actually saw a Google review because I, I put pictures that I take of these places. I go, I do them in a Google review and get them out there on the interwebs into Google. And I was reading through some of the reviews about this hike. And it was this, I guess it was a younger lady. Like, I love the verbiage and the terminology that we currently have going on in the modern zeitgeist of these young kids. But this one just made me laugh. Her personality was cracking me up talking about this hike. She's like, going in, it was absolutely beautiful, but suddenly it just started sneaking into my the back of my mind. It's like, yo, this mother is going to slap on the way back out tomorrow. And I could just kind of hear it coming out of her mouth, even though I've never met her in real life and I don't know what her voice sounds like. I can just hear that coming out of someone's mouth. And it's funny because it's true. That I don't even know how many ways you can use the word slap or slaps. I hear it all the time. I like it. I like the way it gets used. I just don't know the proper way to use it. But I'm going to say that it's used properly in this because 1,400 feet over two and a half miles. And there's a couple of long stretches. The first bench you hike in for maybe the first mile. Don't quote me on that. But it's a good stretch. You're only losing two or 300 feet. So you've got like 900 feet ish that you're going to do over like a mile and a half. When you're coming out, it's rated as difficult and strenuous. It says that at the top of the trailhead. Take that seriously. I've seen a few people talking about this hike online and they're trying to be those manly men. You know, those guys. Yeah, man, I heard it was like difficult stuff, but psh, I did that. That's no problem, man. I came back out. I grabbed a beer. I slammed a couple of couple of lines of crack like it was all good. That 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 hike ain't nothing. And that's bull. That is absolute BS. I've mentioned before my job at Big Purple keeps me in good shape. And I pound, I ground pound when I hike. I outpace most people. That hike is tough on the way out. I mean, it ain't going to kill you if you do hiking. If you go in and you drink enough water, it's not going to kill you. It's just a tough hike out. It's a lot of climbing. And there is a couple of scrambles in there where you will have to scramble down a little bit. Like there's some kind of steps cut in here and there. It's a beautiful hike. It's so natural. It's absolutely beautiful. But there's a couple places. It's a little bit tough. Like you have to kind of scramble. I remember coming out the next morning and going past one of those scramble points and seeing this couple that I'm just really not going to describe them because it might be unfair. But they weren't in the physical condition they needed to be in for that hike overall. But I could not see them in my mind. How are they going to get past that one little drop, that one little ledge? Because you pretty much really have to climb a little bit. For us more able-bodied people, it's not that hard. There are little trees and branches and knot holes to grab onto. And there are kind of steps there. They're just very steep. And it's kind of like climbing a little bit. Like it's, it's a real hike. Not to try to scare anyone away, but to fully prepare you, you know, know your own abilities and what you're capable of. It's a totally doable hike, but it is a strenuous, it is a difficult and strenuous hike. Um, but it's absolutely beautiful going in. It's so serene. We started in the afternoon and we we're going in on an overnight when we were going down. It's like, let's hike down there. Let's get to the waterfall, cross our fingers for some water flow because um, there's not a place to check that. You know, I can get online and check the Mulberry River level. I can get online and check the Buffalo River level. You can't get online and check the flow rate over Hemden Hollow Falls. Like, you kind of just have to troll Instagram, see if anyone's been there recently, ask some questions. It's tough to do. You're taking your taking your chances, you know. Um, but we started in the afternoon with the intention of staying the night. You hike down, and when you get to the top, there's a place where the Compton Trail it can split in a few places, but there's a place with red flagging tape where it cuts a hard left. It almost hairpins back on itself, back up into the hollow. 
and descending. And that is the trail back to Hemden Hollow Falls. And once you get down to that point and you start your way back towards the falls, you're going to come up on a camp spot. And there's a sign that says no camping beyond this point. That's that's your last chance. If you're going there to do an overnight, which I highly recommend, guys. Overnights, they're great hikes because there's multiple reasons and we're going to talk about them. But that is your last chance to camp is right there just after you turn back towards um, the falls itself. So right about this point on our hike in that day, and this is where we're going to go into that tangent I talked about earlier. On our hike in that day, like we made our way all the way down, there's a couple of really pretty vistas, even with leaf on. There's a couple of places where you can see Hemden Hollow Falls. If it's running, if you know where to look, I didn't at that time. Probably could have, you know, saved myself a lot of trouble. But anyway, this was a great trip. It doesn't matter. Um, But we've been at it for a couple of hours going in. We were going very slow. First of all, like I need to touch on this. I had broken two bones in my foot and just absolutely obliterated a lot of the ligaments and tendons in my right ankle a week before at work. And because Big Purple is so awesome and doesn't offer any kind of insurance or compensation whatsoever... And I, we don't get PTO, so I couldn't even take days off to deal with it. I just had to keep working on it. But I'd had this trip planned for a long time. And by God, I'm not going to sit home when I've got a trip planned. Like it would have had to been worse than it was. Simply the fact that I had to keep working on my broken foot slash jacked up ankle for like a week before this trip. I knew that I could walk on it, but I knew how weak it was. I was rolling it five, six times a day because it just, it had no stability left. So I got an ankle brace and still went ahead and made this hike. So it was a slow go down and it was, you know, I actually used for the first time ever a hiking stick. I have a hiking stick for man tracking and search and rescue, but I don't use it for actual hiking. I've never used a hiking stick. This was the first trip I ever actually took out the hiking stick and used it. And it was a lifesaver. Um, having to be super careful on a trail like that when you got a weak ankle. I mean, maybe it wasn't the smartest thing I did going in, but like, by God, I'd planned it. I was going to hike it. I was able to walk at work. So we're going to go in here. So it was a slow go, but it was a strenuous go because I had to be so much more careful and support my weight so much more in certain places by grabbing little saplings or tree branches or using my hiking stick, whatever. We lost a lot of water going in, did a lot of sweating. It's August. We get down to the point where the trail's turning back to go to Hemden Hollow, and we're eyeballing our camp spot and thinking, do we go on down to the hollow, you know, falls, or do we go ahead and set up camp? Because who knows if someone else may come in and yank camp behind us. Um, and as we're trying to decide this, there's some people coming up the trail. I'm not sure from where they came. They could have came up from the river. There are multiple ways to access Hemden Hollow Falls um, that are not just the Compton Trailhead. But this, there are three people coming up, and one of the young ladies with the group, she was not okay. And I could tell at a glance she was not okay. And then one of her friends said, do you guys have any extra water? Yes, but no. You know what I mean? Like, we've got extra water, and I'm by no means going to withhold it from someone in need, but oh, crap. We're not going to have any water after this, but situation as it stands, and this is the tangent, and I'm going to walk you through a couple of things here because this is a cautionary tale and a learning experience. Um, these people went in completely unprepared. They're like, oh, I saw it online. It's a hike. We're going to hike in. They did not take into account 1,414 feet of elevation gain over five miles, apparently. They didn't take into account it's August and it's 98 degrees in Arkansas with 60% humidity, which is like the equivalent of like hell's threshing floor. They weren't ready and they nearly got someone killed. And I'm going to tell you why that is not being overdramatic. I have enough medical training from search and rescue, disaster medical, triage, um, Basic once overs, doing a doing a uh, condition check, you know, be able to check their consciousness, CPR, AED, all that stuff. I have enough training to know a few things. I'm by no means an EMT or a paramedic, but we are working towards that wilderness first responder at least. 
but I know enough to know what I'm looking at. And she was not okay. She, her skin was almost ashen gray. She had lost so much color, coloration in her skin. She looked like she was literally, like her knees were about to buckle and she was about to pass out. She was not in good shape. And what concerned me the most is she wasn't sweating enough. She was still sweating, but not nearly enough. Like, and at this point, you understand They've still got two and a half miles back to the trailhead and 1,414 feet of elevation gain. This has happened on the way in from wherever they came. This has happened on the way in. Um, I don't have a ton of that information. The reason why there was a bit of a language barrier. We could communicate well enough. I know a little bit of Spanish from high school. Um, Actually, I was almost I was conversational ish for a while in high school because of where I grew up and I took Spanish in high school. But it's been 20 years and if you don't use it, you lose it. Like I remember phrases. I know how to order steak if I go to Mexico. You know, I know where's the bathroom. Are you married? Yeah, certain things you hang on to. Right. But. I we I didn't get a lot of the information and it made it a little bit a little bit tough because I needed to relay information to them like, no, you can't keep going. This isn't okay right now. We need to get her squared away. And it was starting to get shady. Like you're on the east side down in the valley. So when you're getting into later afternoon, the sun is disappearing, right? It is going down away from you in this situation. So shade was working in our favor. And we got her set down and we started feeding her water. And I knew we had to because here's the thing. When I said she wasn't sweating enough. What I'm pointing out is like one of the number one signs of heat stroke is about to onset is somebody is not sweating. They've sweated it all out. It's gone. There's nothing left. She wasn't sweating enough. She wasn't to that point, but she was really close and that's way too close. Heat stroke, it's over with. Where we were, I mean, I was literally... And again, I'm not over dramatizing this. I mean, I assess this situation and I'm like, all right, we've got rain flies so we can make a litter. We can carry her out of here. And I was going over in my head, this might have to happen. She's not walking out of here unless we can get, you know, we had like four bottles of water between us and we gave her three. Um, And there was a, there was a point behind that decision-making process. I'll touch on in just a second, but we gave her three. We got one in her slowly. And then we got another one and got her to kind of nursing it and her color came back and she started to sweat again. Like we were right there at the brink. I mean, I think it was just perfect timing and we got her with her legs back under. I was able to check her out, you know, that her legs weren't wobbly, that she was coherent. She knew who she was. She knew how many fingers you're holding up, all that good stuff. Enough to satisfy me that like, hey, you know, she's got her friends with her. We're sending her with another bottle of water. That's 60 total ounces over the last hour, whatever, 45 minutes. You know, she looks okay. And the only other way out of here is to carry her out. And I think she's good enough to make it out at this point. So, you know, you kind of have to make that decision. But the whole point is what I want to point out to you is, number one, go in prepared. Be prepared. Do your research, guys. It's not messing around. Like, people like, and I remember being young and doing stupid things because it's like, well, nothing's ever going to happen to you. You hear that a million times. It's a cliche, right? But like, it's because it's cliches often are cliches because they're really a thing. You always think, we always tend to think we're indestructible until we find out we're not indestructible. And then we maybe are a little bit more careful, right? Just saying, don't learn the hard way. Learn from someone else's hard way. It's a lot less painful that way. Be more prepared. Know what you're getting into. Stay well hydrated. Go in with enough water. The second thing I want to point out is, is I want to plug search and rescue right here because I am an advocate. I am passionate about it. And I'm an advocate for all of us outdoorsmen getting involved in it. I'm talking to you listening to this right now. If you're an avid hiker, a kayaker, a mountain biker, you should get involved with your local search and rescue team or a local search and rescue team if it is at all possible. There are multiple benefits, one of which is what I just told you. There were people passing that woman on the trail that didn't know what to do with her and didn't even see a problem. But I knew it immediately and honestly feel like we may have really kept her out of a very serious situation. And I knew what to do about it. Why? 
because I joined Search and Rescue five years ago. Because I decided I have a lot of outdoor wilderness, backcountry, bushcraft types of skills I've acquired that I could put to good use and make, you know, a positive difference for someone who's really in need. Like, and because of that, I gained access and was trained in certain things like certain low level medical type of things, just like what we dealt with there. All of you should give consideration to search and rescue because not only what you can bring to the table and how you can make a difference for someone out there when they really need it the most, how you can give back to the community and give back to our outdoor brothers and sisters and our, you know, all of our wayward souls out there. It also is beneficial to you because you gain access to training that you otherwise might not be able to get or be able to afford or be able to have. Since I joined, I have lots of, like I said, basic disaster first aid, things like that. I am now an L1 rope rescue responder, technical rope rescue. Like I've been able to, I got to rappel down into a cave that was barely wide enough for me to slide into last year and, you know, go down 30 feet in the, it's amazing. It was so cool. My point is, I don't want to spend way too long on this, but if you are an outdoors person and you do not consider joining search and rescue, you are doing yourself a disservice. You really are. There's a lot of opportunity there for all of us. And all it costs you is maybe, well, if you're really an avid hiker, you got all the gear. You might need a couple of little things here and there, but you're pretty much already set up and you pretty much probably already have a lot of the skills, land navigation, etc., etc. And it'll open up a world of opportunity for you to give back to the community, but even more so, even to training for yourself and to better prepare you for your time out there in the wilderness. There's my impromptu plug for Search and Rescue. We are going to do a Search and Rescue episode at some point. Um, it's definitely in the short list. It's just when the time's right and feels right to me, we'll cover it. But the time is not yet. As for now, to get back onto the trail and away from the rabbit hole, um, we got her squared away to where I felt comfortable enough to basically discharge her, send her on her way with her friends. Okay, and I told them, she's in your hands now. Make her drink this water, take lots of breaks, and stay out of the sun as best you can. Get her cooled off. Um, once you get to the top, get her cooled off as fast as you can. Get her in an air-conditioned vehicle. Take her down to, to the Buffalo Outdoor Center. It's probably about the closest thing. Um, there's another store up there. I can't remember the name of at the moment. Oh, J&B Supply Company. Take her to one of those places. Get her squared away. Um, and we got about to putting our camp together. And there were so many people coming and going down to the falls. Um, but we did, we got our hammocks up, we got us a fire pit ready, got fire ready to be started. We weren't going to leave it there unattended. Um, and about just before sunset started our way down to Hemden Hollow Falls. Fingers crossed. There was some water flow. There are waterfalls, tiny ones, as you walk your way down into the hollow. Um, and there was some water flow, so we were trying to be helpful. We knew it was August. We had had some rain the week before, but, you know, depends on how much, when, and where, if it's going to hold enough flow, if it's going to sustain well enough to uh, have have something to really look at. And um, unfortunately for us, it had not rained enough. We got all the way down in there and had a drip. Um, it was kind of cool. It was just a tiny stream of water. It wasn't enough that I could even get a picture of and it be noticeable. It's not what it is fully capable of. Again, Google Hemden Hollow Falls. Look at the pictures. You're going to want to make this trip wherever you are out there in the United States or all over the world. You need to come see our beautiful Ozarks and some of these things. Um, what I can say about it is this. There are perks and upsides to doing overnight hikes to things like this. Destination points that are far down a trail. If you're coming down and coming back out at the same time in one day, which I do all the time, not bagging on it. I'm just saying there are perks to doing an overnight. You go down, you have to go earlier in the day. You're there with everybody else. People are coming, people are going. If there is great water flow, it's almost impossible to get a picture with no humans in it. Um, you should have seen the links I had to go to to get Cedar Falls um, at Petty Jean last year without a human in it. It was little bit of a miracle and took some real calisthenics on my part, let's just say. Um, but if you're going in and you're going to stay, you get to go down to the feature at sunset. 
Sunset anywhere is the best. The, it doesn't matter where you're going. Sunset is always best. And it's the time of day here in the mountains when it starts to get quiet. When the cicadas and the crickets and the frogs start chirping. It's when everything starts to fade away and the people start to disappear and the sun starts to disappear. And there's such a silent, quiet solitude to that kind of a setting, to that kind of a scenario. And it's so beautiful. So even though we did not have the beauty of the waterfall, it's still on my bucket list for getting a picture of. It's one of the few here in Arkansas I haven't gotten a good picture of. It was still a really neat experience. Everyone left. It became extremely quiet. And this little stream of water falling 209 feet, it danced. It danced all over the splash pad at the base, basically the giant sandstone rock at the bottom. And it just danced back and forth and it would move by 10 or 15 feet. And then suddenly it'd come flying back at you and it was just, it was hypnotizing. It was literally hypnotizing. I mean, like I was standing there and I realized I was kind of in a trance. I was kind of in, kind of like highway hypnosis. I drive for Big Purple. They warn us about highway hypnosis all the time where your brain checks out, your eyes are still working and your body's still doing what it's supposed to do. Turning and doing all these things, but your brain's out. And it's, it's hard to recognize when that happens. I was in a state kind of like that. I was in a little bit of a hypnotic state watching this water dance at dusk with the crickets and the cicadas and the locust and all the sounds of the forest and no human noise to be heard anywhere. No roar in the distance. No rumbling of a jet in the background. No highway noise of trucks barreling down Highway 23 somewhere a half mile from where you're at. No, you're in there. You're back there. And it's magic. I don't know what else to say about it, but it's magic. Even though we were disappointed because the fall wasn't there, we still got a really special night right there at the base of Hemden Hollow Falls. And a really cool picture looking out from under the falls back out, the way that hollow horseshoes. I need to find that picture and get it up on the website. I still love that picture, even though the falls aren't there, made the best of it and got a good picture out of the deal. And then, you know, as all good things must come to an end, it's getting dark and we got to make our way back up the quarter of a mile or whatever to camp. Um, and we're going to talk about camp and everything thereafter, after a word from our sponsors. I want to take a second to tell you guys about tonight's sponsor, Survival Feeling. Survival Feeling is a hiking brand based in Greece, and they offer an assortment of gear that's aimed towards the goal of helping you better enjoy your time outside. And that is, of course, what we are all about here at Wayward Stories. I really like this company for a lot of reasons, but chief amongst them is that they were founded with giving back to the community in mind. They donate a portion of all proceeds to organizations like the Wildland Firefighters Foundation to help support those who work to keep us all safe while we're out there trying to find ourselves. We've partnered with them to bring you guys a unique coupon code that will save you wayward souls 15% off of your order. Go to survivalfeeling.com and use offer code waywardstories at checkout. I think you guys will like what they have to offer and what they're all about just as much as I do. Once again, that's survivalfeeling.com and use the offer code waywardstories. Welcome back, all you wayward souls. Thank you for sitting through a word from our sponsors. It is very much appreciated. And let's get back on trail and back to the story. So we go back up to camp and we get our fire going. And I'd been on a kick last year of taking in like, I mean, you know, you can take Mountain House, you can take a lot of the different MREs you can heat up. But to be quite honest with you, when you're only doing two and a half miles in and, you know, you're going to eat whatever you take and come back out dry the next day. Um, I started taking in cans of beef stew, just one for myself. And just you, you take the cat, you know, cut the lid off, throw it in the fire, let it warm up, have a hot meal. Did that that night. It was a great hot meal because you burn calories, guys. Even going downhill, you burn a lot of calories. And in the heat of the summer, well, you talk about when the hunger finally hits, when your body finally cools down, it it hits hard. And man, you want to talk about hit the spot. But when your body cools off finally and the cool of the night starts to set in and you're setting by the fire, 
you feel the cool air on your skin. You're getting hot food, solid, real protein food into your belly, calories. And then the owls start to hoot and they start to communicate back and forth across the valley. And it's eerie. It's eerie. It's haunting. And it's absolutely beautiful over the frogs, over the crickets, over the cicadas, over the locusts. And you hear the hooting of owls as they communicate. And I believe it was, there was probably three that we were hearing that night because there was one really close to us. And then there was one further down the valley. And then there was one further back behind us. And they were, it was almost like in high school playing baseball or football or basketball, any sport you played where you'd get three or four people in a circle and you would just throw the ball to each other and play catch in a circle. It's kind of how the hoots were going here, there, there, here, there, 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 there's no calm. Hey, calm. If you want to sponsor us, I'm here for you. We can find a way to make that relevant to outdoor adventure, but calm hasn't got anything. Relax Melodies hasn't got anything. There's no sleep app on this planet that has anything on a night in the hollow, deep in the Ozark Mountains, under the millions and millions of stars speckling through the sky in this dark sky park, deep in this wilderness. Those are magical moments in life, guys. Everything that happened that afternoon after we got dehydrated lady back on her feet and out of there from that moment on that night was awesome and it was a much better night i should point out than was the big bluff hike as you may recall the feral hogs and raccoon fight club and all of those things the cold wind the cold front that came out of nowhere and was freezing and that's something else about this hike this hike happened after the big bluff hike and i had learned my lesson about the body wipes so I had purchased and brought out some actual body cleaning wipes for that purpose and took kind of a dry bath before getting ready to lay down in the hammock. Changed the whole game, y'all. Try this out. They're light. You don't have to take many in, just enough to, you know. I mean, hey, let's be real. We're adults, right? Get your pits, get your junk, get your butt, get the stuff that stinks clean. And it's not sticky anymore. And you actually feel, you don't feel like you've had a bath, but it's nice. It's clean. You know, you feel much better and it's much easier to sleep. Um, And that night, laying in the hammock under the stars, listening to the hoot owls, the cicadas, the belly full of food, I rocked to sleep and slept like a baby. Until I heard people at like 11 o'clock at night coming down the Compton Trail down to Hemden Hollow and saw flashlights. Y'all explain to me who would hike this hike well after dark. They didn't start at dusk, y'all. This is 11, 1130 at night. Here they come. I, I can't for the life of me. I actually got a little nervous. For a minute, I got a little nervous because I was like, who's coming down in here this time of night? And my campfire is still burning, so they're going to know we're here. Um, there's no way around that. And they're probably cool. It's probably fine. But like, you feel a little prone. You're like, where'd my bear spray at? Where's my weapon if you carry a weapon? Like, who are these people? Why are they here at this time of night? This doesn't look good. I mean, they left us alone. They actually went right by our camp. Didn't even say hi. That's what I thought was odd because I poked my head up. I made sure they knew I was awake and that I was around and saw that they were there. They didn't even say hi. They just went straight on down towards the falls. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Half hour later, here they come back up from the falls. Don't say a word to us and continue on up the trail. And to this day, I, it's odd. It's just odd. I can't wrap my brain around it. I like to hike in a lot of weird scenarios for, you know, if you can get something out of it, like hiking out on Big Bluff for astrophotography. I mean, these guys were, I, this, it was so dangerous. I could see in the light because I kicked up the fire, you know, that you can see them coming down the trail for a long way because of their headlights in the pitch black and you could hear their voices carrying across the hollow. So I got up and out and stuck, kicked the fire up where I could see, I could see the beers they were carrying. Guys, 
Let me just say the Compton Trail down to Hemden Hollow is not the trail to be hiking after dark with alcohol intoxicated in any way, shape, or form. It's tough enough during the day. But sure enough, they were doing it. And sure enough, they did it. And it was just strange. It was just strange. It was just an oddball occurrence. After they were gone, got back to sleep and had a good night's sleep. Rocking under the stars once again. The Hoodows, they gave up. After those people came through making the ruckus, they were gone. And, you know, that was kind of... uh, that was kind of sad, but hey, I was tired enough. It didn't really matter that much. Um, woke up the next morning. You get, you know, waking up because when you're waking up at that camp spot, the sun is rising to your east. Well, you know, it always usually rises to the east. <laughs> but I mean, you actually have a vantage point on it. You're looking through trees. You could hike down just like a quarter of a mile to the Buffalo River, see it rise over the river, which is a beautiful sight. Um, But you can see the sun rising to you, and it just kind of completes the night. You've just had a great night, a great sunset. At You don't see sunset when you're at Hemden Hollow, but you get dusk. You have a great dusk, and you can see the sunset You know, up on the top of the falls at 209 feet for a while before it finally disappears. And then... Go and sleep under the stars. Wake up to sunrise. It It's a beautiful experience. And that was a very comfortable night. That was a great night. Come hiking up the trail early before we even started up to catch all the spider webs. Came a father and daughter. Um, and they actually came over and talked to us. And I enjoyed talking to them for a minute. They were very cool. It was a father and daughter from Kansas City. And they told us that they take trips every year together. It's like a tradition for them and they hike some serious they do some serious hikes they were talking about through hikes that they do you know I don't remember where they said they had all been but it had been stuff like Pacific Rim Trail like Appalachian Trail I don't know what specifically but that's the kinds of things they would go and do and y'all if that ain't life goals I don't know what is someday I hope to have those same kinds of goals with my daughter I hope I can get her interested in this thing that I love so much. And I hope that we can have those kinds of trips in our future. Hell, I'd like to make a tradition of that with another human being as like a partner in life. That would be awesome. Maybe that day will come someday. Who knows? But that's the kind of thing, man. Set up a doable bucket list in life. How cool is that? Like, you don't have to have a bucket list. It's like, I really, really want to go and see Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, hey, in our lifetime, maybe you can pay Elon Musk and go see Mars. You know, things are happening. The moon's actually probably going to happen in our lifetime. Like, commercial ticket, like getting on an airplane, probably going to happen. Um, But there's so many simpler, easier, cheaper things that you can put on a bucket list that are still some of the most gorgeous, amazing things you've ever seen. And they're logistically feasible. They're actually accomplishable. And you can get out and you can go do it. And they're all over the United States. You can go out and experience all the different cultures and subcultures we have here in the U.S. Everywhere you go. I have traveled extensively at this point for my job and just in personal life. But I don't get to travel a lot in personal life because I'm not rich yet. Y'all hit me up. I still need sponsors. But for work, I have. And everywhere you go has its own kind of culture and people and foods and things that are really native to the area that make them unique. And it's so awesome to go experience that. And this father and daughter, it just, I just love their story. I thought that was awesome. I absolutely love that. And I hope to have that someday with my daughter. Um, and then we headed on up and they actually came from down, they've camped down by the river and they were going down to Hemden Hollow to the falls. So we still, me on my gimp foot got to be chief spiderweb catchers in charge of the universe on the way out on the Compton Trail that day. You really, you know, it's a cold comfort to know that you've cleared out all the spiderwebs for anyone else that comes after you. It's not the most comfortable thing ever, but that's part of the game and still part of the experience. And as such, I actually love it a little bit, kind of uncomfortable, but it's a part of the game. It's a part of the experience. Um, 
we're going to talk about one more thing tonight that I somehow did not know existed until literally last night. As I was doing research, when I say research, like I know the trip I had, but when I approach these episodes, you'd be amazed at the nitpickers out there, y'all. Like if I just said Hemden Hollow Falls was 208 feet and it was just a slip of the tongue because it's actually 209 feet, somebody's going to come at me. Write it down. So you try to brush up and you try to be as accurate as possible about the little details that your brain doesn't find that important when you're standing in awe of the incredible presence of nature experiencing the moment. You don't get hung up on if it's 208 feet or 209 feet. Anyway, I'm doing my research and making my outline so I don't miss anything when I come in here to record tonight. And I discovered something. There's a side trail by Hemden Hollow Falls when you're down at the falls that takes you to the second tallest waterfall in Arkansas, known as Diamond Falls. It is beyond my comprehension that I didn't know it existed. As I look back, it's been a long time since I've read all the way through Tim Ernst's um, Waterfalls of Arkansas book. It is the Bible in Arkansas for outdoorsmen, nature lovers who want to go see waterfalls. It truly is. I have a copy. I read it a billion years ago, front to back. This one, I clearly have heard the name before and knew something of it, but not in context. I had no idea. And I'm thinking, I thought real hard about not adding this part because some of these kinds of things, it's like, you don't want to be selfish. Like, Ooh, I know where this is, but you also don't want to encourage it getting absolutely destroyed by the current Insta fame culture. Um, no knock on that. I put a lot of stuff on Instagram, but like it's gotten to where people go just to get the picture. They don't even get the experience. They don't even experience the experience. A lot of times they fall off at 300 foot bluffs and die. This Diamond Falls hike is a dangerous hike, and it's apparently a pretty special place. Um, can be a dangerous hike and apparently a pretty special place. And I was like, should I even share this? But in the end, it is in Tim Ernst's book. So just because people aren't intrepid enough right now to go ahead and give that a shot, guys, there's not, there's like one or two pictures I can find on the entire internet of Diamond Falls. There's only two entries I can find, and I'm going to read from one of them and give proper credit to It's called, uh, I think it's Rick's Hiking Blog, and he wrote this in 2014 and published it in 2014. And then I found a review on all trails where a guy mentioned the Diamond Trail or the, the trail to Diamond Falls. That's it. That's it. I found, I think, maybe two other one-off mentions in like onlyinyourstate.com and I think Naturebacks. Hey, Naturebacks, y'all. Y'all get at me. I'm right here in Arkansas, man. I will represent. Anyway, it's, well, I'm going to read. I'm going to read it from Rick's hiking blog. And it's like henry411.blogspot.com. So just FYI, um, if you want to source this. And I'm just going to read from it because I want you guys to be aware of it. It's out there. I'm going to go do it. This totally made top of the bucket list for me when the water's right. I don't care what it takes to get this done. I'm going to see this because this thing's absolutely gorgeous. First of all, Diamond Falls is the unofficial name. It was suggested by Tim Ernst because this waterfall comes in at 148 feet high and it plunges about 100 feet before it hits a Really interesting looking protrusion of sandstone rock and just explodes into a spray. And apparently it makes the water look like diamonds in the sunlight. And that's where the unofficial suggested name from Ernst came from. It's actually known as Bridesmaid Hollow Falls in Bridesmaid Hollow. Um, from Rick's hiking blog. If you look at photos of Hemden Hollow Falls, you will see a large dead tree behind the falls about 60 or 70 feet above the base. That is where the vestiges of plants end and the cliff rises above it. That's the level you need to be at to follow the bluff around to Diamond Falls. Diamond Falls is going to be to your left as you're looking at Hemden Hollow straight in, straight in front of you. That's an editor's note. On the right face as you face the waterfall, the slope is such that you can scramble up and gain access to that level of bluff line. Traditionally, folks scrambled up the right side, then crossed behind the falls at this level. This is important. I do not recommend doing that any longer. While the ledge here was relatively dry due to the overhang, you are still walking on loose dirt and gravel and the ledge has deteriorated. Now this is in 2014 guys. It's been seven years since then. 
The ledge has deteriorated such that at one point you only have six inches or so to stand on as you go around behind the falls. And at this point, if you slip, it's pretty much straight down with nothing to break your fall. And it's a solid rock bottom. By the time I got to this point, I was past the point of no return and it was safer to proceed than to try and turn around. So I proceeded, but vowed to find a better way coming back. I do not recommend anyone take this route any longer even if you're not deathly afraid of heights as I am because one slip and you have to go back in a body bag and that's not a good end to a great day of hiking. Let me be clear here. I would encourage everyone to go to Hemden Hollow Falls because the trail is excellent and I believe anyone in decent shape can do it. I cannot say the same for Diamond Falls. There's a trail of sorts along the bluff line base, but it's neither safe nor is it easy. To get to Diamond Falls, you have to get to the base of the sheer rock cliff above creek level. Once there, you follow the base of the cliff as well as you can around to the left to the west, and Diamond Falls is less than a quarter mile around the bend in the bluff. Once I got away from Hemden Hollow Falls itself to the point where there is a little slope and some trees between you and the creek, I could breathe a little easier. But at this point, there are some ancient, gnarled, twisted cedar trees that look like they're a bazillion years old. You couldn't ask for a better foreground subject to offer a side shot of Hemden Hollow Falls. Proceeding on around the bluff line from the old cedar trees, you come to a rock tunnel. Do not go through it. There is a 40-foot drop on the other side of the tunnel. In drier times of year, this is a little disappointing, but today there was enough water to have a spectacular look. At 148 feet tall, it's not quite as tall as its big brother Hemden Hollow Falls around the corner, but it's still a biggin, as they say in Arkansas. The creek flows off the bluff ledge, drops about 100 feet, then hits a large sandstone outcropping before spraying off and falling the remainder of the way to the base. Again, you just gotta be there to really appreciate the beauty. These pictures, the way I found this blog was these were the only pictures I could find available of it. And you should you should Google it, guys. Diamond Falls, it's it's epic. And it's not being well it's not being well visited at this time to my knowledge, and it's made my bucket list, and I'm gonna have to do a little planning to decide how I want to approach it. I definitely want to go with someone, I think, based on everything I can read about it. So just so you know, it's there. But heed all the warnings I just gave you. I, uh, I'm i just blown away that I didn't know about it. Because I follow lots of great Arkansas hashtags. Um, like, Wonderful Arkansas. I'm a Wonderful Arkansas member. Like they People are always out there banging away um, and getting to all these places. And you get to see all these pictures. Diamond Falls. Not come across my uh, feed, to the best of my knowledge. Um, and it's on my list now, man. That's... I just, it's absolutely beautiful. Like I say, it's in Tim Ernst's um, guidebook to Arkansas Waterfalls, the Bible of waterfalls and trails in Arkansas. And um, yeah, something that had to be touched on. Since I'm doing a doing a podcast on Hemden Hollow Falls to find out that a quarter mile away from the end of the Hemden Hollow Trail is another amazing waterfall that I'd never heard of. Again, it made it in because it is already out there in places. I guess it's just kind of fallen by the wayside to some degree. And the people, um, it's the knowledge of it in the zeitgeist here in Arkansas. Um, I look forward to seeing that one. It's absolutely, looks absolutely beautiful. I want to experience it in person. And it will happen someday because if I ever make it back to Hemden Hollow, when there's water flow at Hemden Hollow, I can't not try to find my way over to Diamond Falls. My understanding now is, is there's kind of a trail where a few people have made it up the left side to get to that bluff line without having to go behind Hemden Hollow Falls at 70 feet above the ground. So know that if you go to try it, heed all cautionary statements that have been made and try to go up to the left. Don't go right and don't have to walk across a ledge that's only six inches wide, 80 feet above solid rock. Um... I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. We're going to kind of wrap it up there. I think we've touched an hour, actually. I didn't. I felt like I was going to have to pad this out a little bit, but I think we've touched an hour. Um, I hope you guys will join us again next week for yet another episode that I don't know what I'm going to do it about yet, but I hope you'll come back and see us next week. I want to appreciate you guys for listening to this one. I am absolutely thoroughly loving making this show. I'm enjoying every second of it. If you guys are enjoying listening to it, please go rate, review, and subscribe at 
your podcast platform of choice. It helps us immensely. Tell your friends about it. Word of mouth's a big deal. Put it on some Facebook. Share it. Facebook, if anything you want to do to help us out to keep us growing and keep us going, is going to be greatly appreciated. If you want to check out my Instagram or any of our other social media or our private pages, you can go to waywardstories.com. That's where everything lives at. You can get to everything from there. You can even go to our Patreon if you want to support us. And we always give a portion of our proceeds to a charity at the end of every month. Um, Again, waywardstories.com and send your story. We're still wanting to tell y'all story. You know, y'all got stories. I want to hear them. The whole world wants to hear them. Let's share the experiences we've been talking about. Mywaywardstory at gmail.com or through the contact form at the website, waywardstories.com. Once again, enjoyed hanging out with you guys tonight. Hope to see you again next week. And until then, y'all be good to each other. Go out there. Find some way to contribute to something better in this world. And let's make the world a little bit of a better place. Rocky. The mountaintop awaits. Carry on.